You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. We will sing your faithfulness, O Lord God. You are beautiful in your mountain of your holiness. You are beautiful in the land of the living. We celebrate you and ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I just say thank you to the worship team. Gosh, you guys are great. We are journeying through Matthew. And those of you who've been around a while know that when I preach, there's a lot of notes. So what I suggest is if you haven't already, go to the Grace website. Down at the bottom of the website, you'll see a place there where you can uh, get the sermon notes. and uh, there's also a place there where you can do prayer requests. Uh, there'll be a prayer Zoom thing right after this live service. At any time, you can come in and put prayer requests there. And those are taken very seriously. And there's also a spot up there where you can do giving. If you have the app, which is in a lot of ways a lot better, you see the same thing happening here. This is mine. <clears throat> so it has the sermon notes up there. Down at the bottom is the prayer request line and also the place where you can do your giving. It's a functional thing. And what we're going to ask is, if you don't have the app, why don't you think about getting it? If you've got a phone, it's, just, it's a really handy way to do things. There's a lot of things you can do there. You can check your information, be sure it's accurate, which is really helpful. So we want to look at the Sermon on the Mount. We're beginning a new section of it here. And so the preaching team said it'd be a good idea just to go through the sermon as a whole, just quickly, quick overview. So... I said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. So what I want to do is just begin back in chapter 5 with a question. Uh, We talk here about the God heart's happiness. And what I want to ask is, (laughs) what makes you happy? Okay. Now, what I want you to do, if you're at home and there's somebody else there, I want you to just turn to somebody there at your home or wherever you're at watching this and just think about it a second and say, uh... I think this is probably it. Uh, You know, I'm thinking about as I'm standing here. uh, Right now, one of the things that makes me happy is when all the tech stuff goes well, because there's 10 hardworking people here, and that's very real in the moment. Maybe not the biggest happiness, but it sure makes me happy right now for this team. Why don't you just write something in there that works for you? Maybe it's family. (laughs) Sign me up. Sign me up. Maybe, well, that's family. Grandkids, yeah, I mean, grandkids are the coolest thing ever, aren't they? Matt and Rhonda. By the way, pray for Matt. You can see the brace on his leg. He's got a torn meniscus, and he is going to be having surgery this week, and we'd like that to go quickly and well so he can celebrate his grandkids really well. Maybe it's money. I mean, for a lot of people, money is a, is a happy point. Maybe it's helping. That's a good thing. These are all good things, of course. Uh, Maybe it's just doing good things, just all kinds of things. Just you like to do good things. And what I'd like to suggest in the Sermon on the Mount is the thing is there is it's let me be a God heart. Let me be somebody who lives out the heart of Jesus Christ. Let me live out the grace of the Father. So that's the first section. And what he's describing here is what makes you happy. And I look at this thing, you know, all the political ads that are running around right now as we're in election season. I get so tired 
of all the controversy, the attack ads, the criticism, the cynicism that's going on, there's a better way. So let me tell you what to put on your resume. Actually, let Jesus tell you what to put on your resume. Number one, what I'm proud of is I'm poor in spirit. Uh-huh. What I'm proud of is that I mourn. Really? I'm proud of being meek. Doesn't mean doormat, but it just means I'm responsive to the leading of others. I hunger and thirst after righteousness. How many of those would be on your resume if you're looking for a job? See, that's what Jesus says is the heart of the happiness for the God-hearted person. The other side, merciful, pure in heart, for they shall see God. Peacemakers, for they inherit the kingdom of God. And those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Look at that. On one side, we have the empty side. How can an empty person be happy? Because you talk about it, you're open about it, and you realize your need, and you, that neediness is not a downside. It's a positive to recognize it. On the other side, there's a fullness that comes from that relationship with God. There's a, an overflowing of righteousness, and that's what we're talking about here, the God heart's happiness. Then he goes on to the God heart's influence. And, of course, that, we heard the sermon that salt and light is the God heart's influence. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's the influence we have. The point is the God heart can't be hidden. It just overflows if you have that heart in you. Then you talk about the... What a challenge here. Jesus begins this next section by saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the pastor's and the elders, and the Sunday school teachers, and the seminary professors, kind of what he has there, united in the kingdom of God. Oh, my. What's the God heart's righteousness? Well, he says, you have heard, don't murder, yeah. Don't commit adultery, yeah. If you put your unsatisfactory out and give her a certificate of divorce, uh, oaths, you know, bind yourself. Revenge, and but what he says is, but I say to you, hate your enemies. No, what I say to you, murder is from hatred out of your heart and contempt. Adultery is from lust, and he wants to deal with the heart. Putting your unsatisfactory wife out is never okay in that place where men did divorcing. Oaths must give way to simple integrity. Yes be yes and no be no. Your revenge must be willingness to suffer and hatred of enemies that characterizes our world these days transforms into loving as God loves, which means love your enemies and do good to them. That's the God heart's righteousness. And he says this, be perfect because your heavenly Father is perfect. I think there's a better way to say that in the message. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. See, that's the heart of it. Your God-created identity. Live toward others the way God lives toward you. I like the way Eugene Peterson says it here in the message. The God heart's religion. Now, religion is not a bad thing. It's doing good things, actually. Giving to the needy. It's prayer. It's fasting. Those would be Jewish righteousness. And what he's saying here is do it of sincerity, simplicity, and for the Father's smile. We'll be talking about that here this morning. 
But Godhart's ambition, again, ambition is a good thing. What's it about? Never be distracted, he's going to say, by treasures that money can buy. They have a place, but they're addictive. Never be distracted by worry. We'll talk about that sermon in a couple weeks. Jay will talk about treasures next week. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what we do here, be wholly devoted to Yahweh, to Lord Jesus Christ, to his kingdom, and fundamentally to his righteousness, it's saying. The Godhart's relationships as we go through the beginning of chapter 7. In those relationships, don't be judgmental. Don't cast criticism from a distance. But be self-examining. Look at your own plank in your own eye. Don't be naive. There are false prophets out there. But be discerning based on God's criteria. Don't be self-sufficient. But in everything, be prayerful. And then he says this, in everything do unto others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So the Godhart's commitment is the last section. We've got a commitment to go through the narrow gate. Sometimes that's hard. We've got a commitment to be on the road of life with Jesus. We've got a commitment to be bearing spiritual fruit not just miraculous, sensational deeds, because that's what counts. We've got a commitment to be built on the rock, chapter 7, the relationships, the commitment, chapter 7. Sermon on the Mount, what an incredible, incredible story. And what happens here is we will be shaped by what we put our heart into. We will be shaped by what we give our attention and imagination to and what the Sermon on the Mount is doing is calling us to a different kind of commitment, a different kind of priority. And that's what we're going to talk about. We just want to talk about one piece of it, one short section, four verses long, beginning of chapter 6. Just read it to you. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So then when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward. This is the word of the Lord for us to ponder this morning. If you saw the sermon intro video I did this week, I talked about the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall downtown Portland, which tragically is closed these days. What an incredibly beautiful theater. As I look at this view here, I've, I've seen Michael Card sing, Christmas, or sing Christian songs of Fernando Ortega. I've seen the Portland Youth Philharmonic. I've seen all kinds of concerts in this beautiful, beautiful auditorium. Right across the street is the Dolores Winningstadt Theater. Sharon and I just saw recently the one-man show about C.S. Lewis in this smaller but beautiful theater. The thing of it is, the names. Arlene Schnitzer. The Schnitzer family has been so generous. Winningstadt. I mean, these are big, generous names of people, and they've got their names on the theaters. Jesus says this, though. Don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. 
Do you want your name on a monument? I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. What's the motivation? I'm not down on Schnitzers and Winningstadt or others that have their name on it. They deserve to be honored. But there's a deeper honor that counts is what Jesus is saying. What is righteousness? It runs all through this sermon. And one of the things I think is helpful is to understand a bit of what righteousness is. Because when I think of righteousness, I think of somebody who, you know, they're nice to grandkids. They, uh, they do good things to people. They keep the laws. They don't go to jail. Uh, they're good guys who kind of keep the rules. But see, Jesus, in the Bible, righteousness is something different. Righteousness in the Bible is not just an individual thing. It's a community thing. And in this community, it's a community of relationships and all the relationships, God, others, self, rest of creation. God, others, self, rest of creation. All these relationships, well-ordered, as God designed, full of beauty and generosity and dignity and flourishing. Again, as God designed it to be. It's a community of God centered, God-honoring, beautiful, faithful relationships. The righteous person, the righteous person, our individuals are those who promote that kind of righteousness. Like Yahweh, they disadvantage themselves. Yahweh takes pain to himself because of the pain we create. Jesus gives up all the glories of heaven to come and live on this earth and die on a cross and all the shame associated with that. Disadvantage themselves. Like God, we disadvantage ourselves to assist the quote-unquote worthless person. Now, there's no worthless person, to be sure. What he's saying here is somebody that if I help them, it gets me nothing back. So that's the biblical, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, and the poor. Because see, if I help them, I get nothing back from them. If I help a rich person, they may think me nice. They may get me a job. They may get me a promotion. They may get me lots of different things. No, nothing wrong with that. But the righteousness that counts before God is this kind of righteousness. This kind of gracious righteousness. That's what he's talking about. But this practice of righteousness, well, there are three of them here. First one is to neighbor. The second righteousness here is to God. That'll be Jay's sermon next week. And the third righteousness is toward self. So you can fill it in now. The first righteousness toward neighbor is giving... Mm -hmm help to the needy. So it's more than just money. It's not less than. It's more than just money. It's helping the person who can't help themselves or needs our help. If we give them help so that they don't have to do their own responsibility, that actually hurts them. Giving help to the needy is the, toward the neighbor, toward God. That's being loyal to him, trusting him, and that ex that's exercises in prayer. And, of course, the Lord's Prayer is in this section. Toward self, and this is really helpful to think, toward self, the righteousness here is fasting. Now, that's weird. See, towards the others, it's giving. Toward self, it's not giving. It's denying. 
Jesus is going to say it later. If you take up your, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But see, that's the disadvantage ourself for the sake of another, for the sake of God. So, the passage is real clear. Done the wrong way? <laughs> okay, take a minute. What goes in the blank here? What goes in the blank? I mean, it's not hard. Done the wrong way, doing righteous, good things the wrong way is doing it for what goes in the blank? You can collaborate. Yeah, sure. It's for my glory. It's so that I look good. And what happens here, things done to be theatrical, and that's actually the Greek word here, is the word we get our word theater from. Things are done to be theatrical, that is to be seen, with a mask on. Now, the hypocrite takes on a much negative connotation today. It did not have that in that day. A mask just says, I'm disguising who I really am. And it wasn't negative. It was just, that's where it is. If I'm doing things to be theatrical, to be showy, with a mask on, hiding my real self, this is the thing. Those acts of righteousness, though they're good in themselves, are rotten at the core. Because the reason for doing it is not based on the God heart person. That's the negative side, done for my glory. When we seek to gain the honor of people, when we seek to gain the approval of people, when we seek to get likes on our social media, he's saying our reward is their praise. Good thing or bad thing? If I'm doing things so that people I want to like me will, I don't think Jesus is saying that's a bad thing. What he's saying is, what he's saying is, that's the full reward. That's all there is. And see what he's saying here, at least as I understand it, what he's saying here is if I'm motivated, if my desire is to get the praise of other people, I'm exchanging the praise of God. I'm saying, give that up because I want the praise of people. One of the phrases flying around these days is, you're awesome! Who do you want that from? Who do you want that awesome dude? However it comes out. You know, living, living for the approval or fearing the disapproval of another person and living in that world is a terrible burden. Terrible burden. We all know that at one level. Why do we live it? Because the criticism of other people is so concrete and so real. So immediate. It's a terrible burden to live under. The Social Dilemma is a Netflix commentary on the impact of social media. 
and it chronicles what's happening in order to get traffic through social media platforms and what happens to it feeds into people's addictive behavior to be seen. Terrible burden to live under. Jesus is warning about it. Of course, there's a better way. The better way is to live for <laughs> Father's glory. And I think about this for I mean, this is fairly obvious. Living out who we are leads us to a certain forgetfulness of myself because I get so involved in the life of the other person. I get so involved in the worship of God that there's a, there's a forgetfulness as opposed to the self-centeredness. The self, that, it, 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 it's so crazy because at the same level, if I'm living out my God heart, there's a full awareness of self. But self in that negative sense that needs approval, needs likes, needs affirmation. It's a deeper thing that lives out the heart of God that's in my heart. That's what Jesus is talking about because of the transformation that happens. What he's saying is the best living is the one where you're seen and rewarded by God. Seen and rewarded by God. How do I get that? Well, part of this is going to come from prayer. The next topic you talk about here, but but that's, that's the God heart's motivation. One of the phrases running around right now is an audience of, do you know what goes in the blank here? Audience of what? Oh, sure, one. I, one of the people who says this so very well is Anne Graham Lotz. The organized church sometimes put boundaries on us that the Bible doesn't, so I'm living my life for an audience of one. I live my life to please God. Some people won't understand, but I don't give an account to some people. I like the way she says it. I like the way she says it. But see, that audience of one, is that really what the case is here? Think back in Matthew 5. What do you say there? Live in such a way that your light shines before others that they may see your, they may see your good deeds and glorify God, your Father in heaven. See, I'm not living just for an audience of one. This is the crazy thing here. My fundamental desire is the Father's heart, but I'm living for an audience of people, but in a different way. Isn't the desire to be seen or rewarded a selfish desire? You know, when I think of, okay, I'm Grandpa Gary. You've got to see grandkid, you've got to see my grandkids' pictures. So there's Elizabeth and Michael. <laughs> they were horsed around one day. What are they saying as they're doing this? I mean, you all know. You know what a 12-year-old and 7-year-old are going to be saying. What are they saying? What are they saying? Look at me, Grandpa, look at me. Now, I wasn't there, unfortunately. That was their dad taking the picture. Look at me. And I hope you give them their attention. I hope you give them your attention. Because giving our attention for the right things is such a motivator. But see, the thing with it is, the Father does the same thing. Is it okay to live for God's smile? Is it selfish to want to be rewarded by the Father to get his smile? I don't think so. Look at this. First Thessalonians 4, as further matters, brothers and sisters, we instruct you how to live in order to please God. And in fact, you're living. See, in Romans 14, he gets the order right. 
the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, because there's all kind of consternation about that, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way, that is in the non-judgmental way, is pleasing to God, number one, and receives human approval. See, it's the right order. Of course I live for the approval of others. But if that's my primary motivation, then I negate the approval of God. But if I put the approval of God first, then godly people will give me that approval. It's a community of things that works together for Jesus followers, for God hearts. What does righteousness look like? Tim Keller, uh, that grand pastor who's worked so long in Redeemer Presbyterian there in New York City, has influenced so many. He's got pancreatic cancer, and we don't know how many days he has left, but he's producing stuff that is just exemplary quality. What a godly man. He and Kathy, super marriage. They've gone so much through together. He gives the five pillars that have always been the social righteousness of the Christians. The first one is, well, this is our heart. Be merciful, for there will be shown mercy. We want to be pure in heart, so we will see God. We want to be peacemakers, because they're called children of God. These are the fullness things, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those persecuted in righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. That's, that's our full heart. How does that full heart live out? Well, first of all, because we live out of a Jesus heart. See, that's identity. This is not a burden put on us for some sort of performance. It's a heart put in us so that we perform the works of God. And they come out, first of all, deeply devoted to the welfare of the poor and the marginalized. It's always been the heart of Jesus Christ, always been the heart of his people. Old Testament, New Testament, up to today. A second is dedicated to racial justice. Jew and Gentile sitting together at the same table, worshiping the same God, irritating each other because of their cultural differences. That's our racial roundtable coming up here in a couple weeks. Always committed to that. Now there's racial justice has taken on a negative turn in part of our society. Then the biblical racial unity in Jesus Christ as image of God bearers always been committed to that, always staunchly, staunchly pro-life from the beginning of the church and still there. One of my friends, Cindy Westfall, put a picture up on her Facebook page. Cindy teaches at the University of Toronto and she's one of the best New Testament scholars, Pauline scholars in the world and a longtime friend. And this is her granddaughter, Maya. Maya was diagnosed with tetrasomy 15 which means her 15th chromosome has four additional things in it. And as they looked and did ultrasounds, they discovered severely cleft palate and other abnormalities that people said, you should abort, there's no chance she's going to survive. Cindy's daughter said, we're not going to do that. And there was no particular risk to her daughter's health, and they bore this, the baby was delivered, Maya was delivered at 25 weeks, extremely early, severely handicapped, cleft palate, heart issues, cyst in her brain, 
after birth it got worse. They said she'll never walk or talk. Here she is just before her eighth birthday. And you can see she's walking pretty well. And Cindy says she's got a language of her own that's amazing and she has perfect pitch. Music is her language. We're pro-life. Now this has been hard. We're pro-life. We're committed to family integrity and sexual faithfulness in marriage. Absolutely committed to these things. That doesn't mean we're bashing people. It means we see people who can't follow that and we have mercy on them. Say, how can we help? And finally, committed to practicing a non-retaliatory, forgiving response to personal offense. These five things have always been true of the church. That's the rationality. That's the social justice of the church that Jesus is talking about here in these first four verses. I want to think about it. What's our giving show? Worship team, you want to come up here? We're going to sing and admit. Our giving shows our real treasure. What we give, how we give, and I'm not talking just money. Time, energy, imagination, relationship are great assets that we can give. What we give, when and how we give, shows our true treasure. Because if our treasure is the Father's smile, it means we will disadvantage ourselves. And that can be difficult. It's not just an act of charity. It's an act of righteousness because our treasure is a father's smile. It shows our understanding of God. We'll see later on in this book the th- three guys in, that get talents in Matthew 25. And the third guy sees the father as somebody who takes what is not his. If we see our God as a generous giving God who takes care of people who don't deserve it and we're like him, then we'll do the same kind of thing. This will show our picture of God is how we give our treasure, how we give our time, energy, money. And in our giving, we give like God does. And this is important, I think. First of all, we give generously. Not just a tithe. I mean, that's a guideline from the Old Testament. We're not under that anymore. It's a guideline. I think it's a good and wise one. Sharon, I've always given 10% to our local church. We still do. But generously beyond that, our pattern is to give to the church and then also to another need, at least. Generously give relationally. Because the best giving is a relationship and in relationship, not just handing a check or sending in a, a donation on, to something that shows up on your social media. It's also be given intentionally. When I think about grace here, I think about some of the questions that have come up in terms of why should I give to grace? Are you guys really using that money well? I mean, you've got people on your staff. I think of Laura Crawl. I mean, Laura is a, somebody I've known basically her whole life, amazing woman of God. She's a nursery coordinator, and we haven't had a nursery here in months. Somebody said, why is, you, why is she selling your payroll? It's a legit question. One of the answers is the government is helping us pay her salary with a personal payroll protection plan. That's coming to an end here soon. Another thing is, Laura is a pastor at her heart. And yeah, she can't coordinate stuff in the nursery, but what she can do is spend her time on the phone and other things connecting with moms, and she's doing it amazingly well. You've seen some other things. Our staff are busy, and the pastoral needs have never been higher than they are now. 
yeah, they're not doing the job description they were seven months ago, but they're doing other things. We're needing need to engage. This is our phone list. <laughs> There's a lot of people on here. <laughs> There's a lot of people on here. 740 households at Grace. We're divvying them up to be on the staff to do phone calls and just be sure we connect. Would you like to help? We'd love to have you. House church, if you can't gather here in the room, and we can only have 50 in the room, maybe you can have a watch party in your house and just have 10 people come to your house and watch. See, there's ways to do community, but that's part of giving. And what we're asking all the way through here, what we're asking all the way through here is live grace, receiving God's help to live as followers of Jesus, whatever our circumstance. I'm going to do one more story. We heard this week in lead. It was funny off the charts. Grace has had a long-time relationship with East Gresham grade school. And we've done our Advent conspiracy Christmas party for a long time. Rhonda Patrick, uh, Pastor Rhonda, has been the key connection point there. And we didn't know what we were going to do because you just... It's a whole different kind of thing now. Here's the funny thing is, the school district called us and said, are you guys gonna do the Christmas party this year? See, that's the kind of relationship we have. Grace has been giving to East Gresham, and we do it a lot of different ways. You heard about Foster. You can bring your stuff by on Saturday. But they called us and said, will you do your Christmas party? Well, we can only have 50 people in the building. So on our team got together. We're going to have a drive-by Christmas party with all kinds of stuff, decorated building. It's going to be daily vacation Bible school except for Christmas Advent party. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be amazing. That's what giving is about. And it gets the Father's smile. Father, thank you that you smile at us. Thank you that you've called us in that kind of relationship that's full of joy. Oh, it's hard. Oh my gosh, it's hard sometimes. I just think of Maya and the incredible difficulty she'd brought into the Westfall family, but what a blessing that little girl has been. Give us God hearts, we pray, Lord Jesus, that we can celebrate your goodness because we live in the land of your kingdom. That's always our song is, How Great Thou Art. A friend of mine went out to some other business leaders for lunches. One of these things where the kind of assumption was it split the check. And uh, toward the end of the meal, he excused himself to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and he paid the check for everybody. And came back to the table and was sitting there just feeling good about stuff. And then the server came up and said, well, guys, I, somebody already paid your check, so you're all good. And suddenly he found himself saying, wait a minute. Why do you say I did it? How quickly our motives can be exposed. And I just want to say, Tally, bless your heart. Gosh, you do us a favor. Because when I watched you do your sign language thing here, you lifted my heart to God. That's what the team... I mean, that's what we're doing here. We're lifting the heart to God because, yeah, we want to do it well, and we want you to be touched by it, but we want God to get the glory. That's the heart of it because we serve a generous, gracious, beautiful, holy, merciful God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are that kind of a God. It um, doesn't appear that way because all the trash and the pain and the horrible things going on in this world. 
we see through Jesus Christ that's who you are because he shows us who you are. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see you and by that beauty that our hearts will be changed. And those places where we our own selfishness comes out, will you show us the power of the Spirit to be transformed into a God heart? That's our desire. And for all of us, we gather together, do ministry in different ways in this COVID era. Grant us wisdom to know how to do that well so that we can be giving, serving people as you are, Lord Jesus. We pray this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.